Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And welcome to episode 123. 123. Not bad. And uh, today we're going to talk about the uh, kind of the myopic nature of American Christianity, how we it's so easy for us to think of Christianity only in American terms through mm-hmm. an American's lens. We think the Bible is written kind of in an American context. And so we have a guest today who's going to help us expand our horizons around the world. <laughs> and I think it's going to be a great episode. So that's what we're going to do. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, before that, it is joke or story time. And I have been led to believe that you have <laughs> jokes this time. I have jokes. I'm going to tell three rapid fire jokes because one of our listeners gave me an earful about why do you guys say joke or story and you never tell jokes. So here you go. Three jokes just for you, JD. So uh, you ready? I'm ready. Well, I mean, no. These are three. But, <laughs> but tell me a minute. These are three rapid fire jokes. Here we go. What the fish say when it swam into a wall? Well, you've told me all the. I mean, damn. I, yeah, there you go. <laughs> how do you? How, what do you call a fish with no eyes? I already knew that one. And my favorite. What did the Buddhist say to the hot dog vendor? What did he say? Make me one with everything. <laughs> you gotta admit that's a good one the last one's the only one that i got a genuine laugh at yeah well you're weak <laughs> these are jokes for the intellectual crowd right i didn't get you the are first too simple two. verse two were too highbrow for that's me. right that's right <laughs> all right let's get started so uh today we're going to talk about and i and i hope this is of interest to you a listener because um we only know what we know we only see what we see we 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 uh, naturally integrate Uh, our thoughts about God, uh, how we read the Bible into our world, which is clearly an American world. So I thought it'd be fun to have my friend, uh, missionary Tim Sutherland is with us. Tim uh, is a missionary, has been, uh, how many years, Tim, overall missions? 25 years. 25 years. And that has included uh, Amsterdam, Northern Europe, uh, the UK, and now you're going to be headed to Curacao. That's right. Curacao. Curacao. My favorite. <laughs> I'm serious. Curacao is going to be amazing. So, uh, Tim is actually not only just a missionary, we were friends in college, and he was best man in our wedding. Nice. That's yeah. Right. It was a great day. It was a great day. And so, uh, Tim, I want you to dive in here, and John, uh, help me help me kind of do this uh, interview. But, Tim, give a, uh, give a uh, I don't know, Reader's Digest uh, bullet point introduction to Tim Sutherland. Yeah, uh, thanks. It's really great being here and excited to just learn more about the podcast and what you guys are doing. We, uh, uh, 25 years ago, my wife and I were pastoring here in America. Life was good, and we just had that moment where we felt the uh, the Lord lead us about going somewhere else, going to another part of the world. We uh, left pastoring and felt called to Dutch people, and which uh, a lot of Dutch people in the Netherlands, but also in the Netherlands Antilles. And so uh, we made a move. We were, I was in my mid-30s. So for you geographic uh, rookies, Curacao is in the Caribbean. Yes. It's one of the Dutch Antilles Islands. There are about five or six of them. That's right. And uh, it's about 40 miles off the coast of Venezuela. It's uh, it's clearly Dutch. And so you're going to serve Dutch people and Curacaoans who speak 
both Dutch and Papiamento. Papiamento, that's right. Pretty awesome. So uh, go back further, though, Tim, than, than that. Where did you grow up? What was your family of origin yeah. life like? Yeah, I grew up on a farm in Illinois. So I man, was a farm boy from Illinois, is what I tell people. <laughs> and uh, just felt called to ministry and went and we met in college yep. and uh, headed for ministry together. That's where we met our, our wives. And uh, I was a youth pastor in Dallas uh-huh. and uh, was, went back to Illinois to pastor when the missions thing all yeah. happened in our life. So I remember the first time I took you home with me to Dallas. Yeah. Uh, we went to church at my home church. And you, you told me on the way back to Springfield, your choir loft holds more people than live in my town. Yeah. Was that accurate <laughs> or is that a... Yeah. No, no. I, and I grew up, uh, the town was about 75 people or so. And, okay. And uh, we grew up about five miles from it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. So uh, I think we should just start off some questions here and get some thought. L- let me start with this one, Tim. Why is... A Christian in America, seeing faith through an American lens, just thinking like Americans, what's so bad about that? What, like, what's the, what's the downside of that? Yeah, I think that all culture does that. It doesn't matter if you're American or, or Dutch or German or Japanese. It doesn't matter. We all come to this thing without carrying our cultural baggage. We all have this cultural baggage that we go. And I think the key to it is we, uh, we often, um, you know, we, we look at scripture and we say, Lord, what are you trying to say to us? And missionaries are real quick to go to the, uh, the Matthew 28 passage. It mm-hmm. says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, mm-hmm. baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Mm-hmm. So we're all big about the go and baptizing people. But we, I think we struggle because he said, and teaching them obey everything I have commanded you. Not to take your, not to teach not your to culture, teach your culture. I yeah, see. but what teaching I've, Jesus, teach Jesus, not our culture. Sure, so, yeah. So that's key, and I think everybody, everyone doing that struggles with that. Okay, so, but I'm not going to Curacao, and I'm not going to the Netherlands, and I'm not going to Germany. I'm America. I'm gonna be in America <laughs> yeah. my whole life. Yeah, I'm, I'm on me and. Me and guns and Jesus and apple pie and baseball. Yeah. So and that was the America you. So and I, what's the problem? That was America you and I grew up in. Yeah. I mean, it was very a Christian nation, a lot of churches, a lot of stuff. But that's not the America of today. America is seeing this major transformation of cultures coming from all over the place. We're now even in the small town that I was from. There were there were people that from from the Middle East that lived there, hmm. and uh, you know refugees, immigrants coming in, and so now I find that we. We live in a time in America where we're all called as the church to be global Christians. Mm-hmm. Even if, even not just that you go overseas or something, but even right here where you live in your town, whatever, whether in a village, a city, it doesn't matter. We're all called to be this global Christian. And uh, that requires that crossing of culture. Okay. So um, the reason that's a bad thing is you actually are surrounded by a variety of cultures within your culture. And the world is not simple and clean and American anymore, even in your town. So uh, I see how that's helpful. That made me think also of people who have different value systems. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't, if you're monochromatic in your perspectives and in your faith, you're going to have a hard time integrating that faith to even an atheist or to someone who's transgender or someone who's, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So. Uh, so the first thing I hear you saying is when you back up the lens and you see faith for bigger than your little thing, everybody wins and you're able to actually communicate more effectively to different kinds of people. Did right. I understand? Is that what you're saying? Right. Because when you come into the situation, no matter who you meet, you're coming with, with your baggage yeah. and it's all in what you're declaring. 
And if you're declaring this you know, nationalism or if you're declaring any kind of discrimination or anything, right, right. And, and that's all this baggage we carry. And so it's peeling all of that off. And that's why I think Jesus said, you teach them what I've commanded you. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's what happens is in those moments of stress, and let's face it, when you get into that witnessing moment, the stress kicks in, and what happens, people go to their roots. Yeah. And if your roots are one culture or whatever, sure. that's what you go to, yeah. which is natural. Yeah. And yet that's, that's what's got to happen. It's got to go beyond that. So, yeah. And so you talked about how it's kind of normal for every culture, right? It's, it's what you, right. you know what you know. Um, how would you say, uh, like we talked a little bit recently about the difference between um, ignorance and like malevolence, right? So just like mm-hmm. more of an, an ignorance of cultures outside of your own than a than a, uh, than than a, a, a bad view of the yeah, toward them. or even like necessarily or like a, like a supremacist or view or yeah. prejudice. Right. So uh, what would be some ways in your experience that you found uh, that helped you kind of break out of that um, cultural foundation that most of your, you know, I mean, all of your thought is based off, not what, just biblical thought. One of the things that helped us, and uh, this this will tell you, many, many people who will go to do mission work in part of the world will never learn a foreign language. Hmm. And when you learn a foreign language, you, in so many ways, you become a child again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, re- I remember speaking just Dutch so horribly. Some Dutch people said, <laughs> we're not even sure God understands what you're saying. <laughs> it was so bad. And yet you just keep pushing through, pushing through, pushing through. And in, as you learn that language, I learned the culture of the country. Totally. And, uh, because of the way they turn a phrase or. And what was important to them. Yeah. And I discovered, in fact, uh, you know, that feeling you have when uh, you're with friends and you're at the house and, and you're starting to talk after dinner and it's about seven thirty and, the next thing you know, you think, well, it's probably getting close to 10 o'clock. And you look, and it's 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, There's a Dutch word for that called gezellig. Yeah, try to, try to <laughs> wipe, wipe myself off there a little bit. Uh, it's, it's this word that we don't even have in English. Mm. Yet Dutch people value that so highly because they're relationally. Yeah. And so because we learn the language, we learn this cultural thing. And you know that it, that is so important to them. They have their own word for it. Like that kinda, right. Yeah. It's that important. And we have, we have words that they don't have. They would say to me, Americans are, you know, in English, you you fall in love. Mm. We don't have a way of saying that. Mm. And we as Americans, you know, especially our English speakers, we, we have these words that mean things to us. And so language carries that. And so a lot of times we, and because the English is such a strong, you know, it's the, it's the business language mm-hmm. in the world. So English gives us this, this little, um, foot up, foot up transactional yeah, foot up, people. Yeah. And so we, we walk through the door with English. Well, we're already one step above a lot of people, but we haven't learned the culture. In fact, friends of ours and many people who go to do missionary work or, or, or church work in, in English-speaking countries, like I remember we went to Wales, and it's English. We're good. Sure. And yet, culturally, we're not good because mm-hmm. even they had a different culture than American culture. So I know then, several times oh, I've yeah, gone yeah. to Africa, places. I've been to about 18 different countries, and when I take – people who are never done that before they walk around and americans are so loud yes why do they do that like that mm-hmm. uh, you know and and it's just the, all of your uh all of your and again this is ignorance not malevolence mm-hmm. uh, all of that starts to show up blaringly because you're in a culture where you're the odd one not right. them Right, they're not doing it weird. They're you're, not doing it weird yeah. you just don't understand it yeah. yeah but you feel like it's weird and you start calling it weird and I think the so, I, John. I'm curious what you think is a handicap of American Christian who never thinks broader than red, white, and blue. 
Well, uh, what's interesting is that America, uh, even objectively, is, you know, the most powerful country in the world. I think it's the third largest by population size, and it's far and away one of the most influential. So it's it's easy to not even think twice about it because you're never confronted with the limitations of your own culture. Rarely are you confronted with limitations of your own culture, especially if you're in the majority subculture. You're not feeling threatened. We've right, never like, had war on our continent. Exactly. Yeah. And we're so economic powerhouse, military powerhouse. Right. And so like, and you know, we're white. I go to, I go to college surrounded by people who had very similar uh, lives and upbringings to me. So even in our subcultures, I'm in the majority. So it's, I've, I don't bump into reasons to uh, second guess a lot, which I think in those cultures, that's why uh, um, submersing is so important for language learning and cultures. Cause you, you then uh, you just learn because it's not the same. So, uh, but I'm curious because when we get into, so say again, for a person who's not leaving the country, who's just, you know, trying to kind of, um, be a broader understanding thinker. Yeah. Or even looking at ways to, uh, serve those around you and and minister to those around you, this kind of, um, studious is almost how I'd say it, but, but a, a purposeful, uh, uh, a humble way to learn a culture, right? So you went in there ready to learn, not not ready to to teach. Right. Well, obviously, ready to teach, but but you were there to learn first. In subcultures, in in like America, would that be? How would you say that could go? Because there's no language barrier necessarily. Yeah. Do, do you do you track what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not right. tracking. So like, <laughs> so like, if I'm not leaving the country, yeah, I have no other language to learn. How do I take that mentality of I'm here to learn this new culture? How oh, do I, I do see. that in the same for, country? First off, I think you can test yourself. Test okay. question one: Do I have a meaningful friend? Even the fact I have to say the word meaningful, right? Because in some cultures, when you're my friend, that means you're a friend for life. Sure. But in America, you can be a friend for the week, and then right. you know. So, but, the, but do you have a meaningful relationship with someone? Who's not like you? Mm. I mean, they didn't grow up. Well, that's like a you. great question because if you if the answer to that is no, then you are probably myopic, right? Interesting. And so that's the first thing I would I would challenge every believer. I am intentionally going to find a friend, a meaningful friend, deep relationship friend of someone who's not like me. Yeah, and just to go in and listen to their story, even if they're third or fourth generation that have been here in America or first generation, they just got here. But to sit down, I, I know one thing that one of the surprises for us is I know what it's like to live in a place where not just am I the minority, I am the outsider minority. Like, I just don't fit in here. Sure. And that working to fit in that, that and when anyone would, would put a, a, a fig, you know, a, a, a leaf, a branch, what's olive branch olive out, branch, yeah. trying to bring us in, man, they, oh, thank you to yeah. give me that access because it's about access and, and to have access to the culture. This sounds like uh, mindfulness to have, even though I'm not in a uh, culture where I am the minority, to have a mindfulness about the awareness of other cultures around me. We're huge on Oikos that there's these people God brings into your traffic pattern and this is going to happen. You're going to be mm-hmm. building your traffic pattern who uh, think entirely different than you. And the mindfulness of being a learner, of wanting to know, wanting to uh, relate with, is I think pretty significantly huge. It, it sounds to me almost like even if the uh, like the mindset is the value there. So the mindset of like the 
um, not taking the seat of honor at the table. You take the lowest seat and then mm-hmm. wait to be asked right. in. Yeah. So you're not going in being like, you guys aren't going to believe what I've got for you today, right? You're right. going in, you're going in at the, the low seat to learn. And even just that mindset or that, that place of the heart, I think might be the, the value there. I love that. And when you think about, when you think like a, a global Christian, but especially when you think about like a missionary, you assume the learning posture to earn the right to share as well as learn. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's intuitive to a missionary. That's missiology. That's what I do is I earn relationship before I have the right to say anything. And that's a helpful thought even all by itself. I sat in a house group for a, in the Netherlands for a year. And I could do, I don't understand what's going on. I, I'm, I'm just sitting there. Sure. <laughs> and we had a meal. We had a meal. And I'm sitting here, you know, I've been to school. I got all, I've been pastor. And, and yet now I, I don't, I, I, I'm just not You're even You're like fo- a child at the kids' table. Yeah. I'm yeah. not, I'm just, I'm just barely following. I'm not, in fact, I'm not following anything. I only know we're finished because they all stood up. They, somebody said, amen, it was time to leave. <laughs> but we would always have a meal. And so what I did, I got up and did the dishes. Okay. And it got to where I'm, they knew I would do the dishes. And I did that for a year, every Wednesday night, doing the dishes at this place. Wow. And it was about nine months into it. They said, by the way, you're using hand soap to do the dishes. Because <laughs> I couldn't read it. Nobody but don't. They, didn't <laughs> they all had a good laugh with it, you know. But I built a relationship with those people. And some of those people today, 25 years later, they're some of our great friends. That's and incredible. I've, done some, I've married some of them. And, and the whole thing did weddings for them. And it's just... Yeah, it was about getting in there and humbling, just being humble and saying, I really want to be a part of who these yeah. people are. And and I think in an American context, because we naturally are going to run with people like us. Mm-hmm. And I've, we notice that. we get You get into a metropolitan city, mm-hmm. they're going to run in cultures yeah, like they are. them. It's breaking out of that. I'm intentionally going to cross that cultural line. Yeah. And I think that anybody can do that, especially in the Pacific Northwest. And you know, it, it's all over. Yeah. Uh, we're going to transition to the next question. There's a I have a I have a picture of a globe, Earth from space, and it's a giant shape of Texas, and then the rest of the globe, right? Yeah. And this is how Texans see the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like America's America, basically. Right, right. Yes. And whenever we think of the world, the epicenter of the world is our country. Mm-hmm. The globe starts here. Then you turn the globe to go anywhere else. I'm sure in other countries they start with the globe where they live, and they turn it the other way. I'm curious, where we have an intuitive sense, because we are the epicenter of economic boom, the epicenter of military power, I think we have an assumption that we're the epicenter of Christian life, vitality, maturity. Hmm. Where globally is, in fact, the epicenter of Christianity? Where is it prevailing the most, having the most uh, explosive growth, highest population percentage uh, of Christians, where's that right now? Probably in 1950, it would have been somewhere in the northern hemisphere between America and Europe. It has shifted. It is now in the southern hemisphere. Mm-hmm. It is somewhere probably again between South America and Africa. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The church is taking off. It may be meaning a, moving a little bit further toward Africa just because of what's happening in Asia. Yeah. And there's some areas like that. Uh, it may even be on the African continent almost mm-hmm. because of the real move of God in the in the north. Uh, in the, in the southern Asia, oceanic areas. Yeah. Um, I think as that center moves, we all have to find it. We have to understand God's global mission is not just America. Every country, every believer is called to that. Yeah. Every nation. And so we're working with national movements to show them, hey, how what's going to be your global response? How are you going to respond? to And even some 
countries that we would say this is poverty, mm-hmm. they will rally the funds to send people to places, mm-hmm. and because wow. they believe in the global mission as well, it's for everybody, not just for, yeah. the, for the Americans. How and, does a Northern European? This is your your biggest sweet spot of mm-hmm. awareness and experience. Yeah. How how does a Northern European frame Christian framework their faith differently than say an American Christian would? You know, you were talking about the the maps. We we went above the Arctic Circle and worked with some Sami people or reindeer herders. Mm-hmm. They have maps that show the epicenter is the North Pole. Oh, really? <laughs> the and they look at it. For, so. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's very it's very cool. That's how they see it. Mm-hmm. And so when you ask how does a Northern European see Christianity, they are battling. In fact, I heard I heard someone say that if uh, that if Christianity died in Europe, the first country to go would be Sweden. Really? Because the because it's the church is, is just hemorrhaging people hmm. because secularism is just sweeping like a flood. And there is it's also sweeping like a flood into into places like in Curaçao and yeah. into South America and these places. The the thing about secularism, you say, well, it, it's it's destroying the church in in you know in America wherever. It's also it's it's so powerful that even when we met, we would meet uh, you know Muslims coming from the Middle East. And they would become secularist. Oh, they would start turning their backs on Islam and following after this. Wow. And um, you see just how it is so powerful, strong. And it's really based in a in an individual, you know, it's all about me. Right. World rather than acknowledging. Yeah, this, actually the epicenter of the world is me. Is me. Exactly. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what be the northern. And yet, I want to be quick to say we met some wonderful people who are in the they are living for Jesus, and and they don't have the encouragement that we would get, but they're still faithful and true to it. And I was curious because I think one of the reasons why in America specifically the uh, you know nationalism and faith gets together is because the messaging of the whole country is that way, right? So like it's on our currency, you know, it's in our our origin story, it's everywhere. And uh, is that? true of other a lot of other western countries you would say or is that is that kind of an american challenge yeah it would be it would be in some more of the historic buildings and those kind of things sure but, but faith would uh, the faith faith would not be christian faith would not be at the, at the epicenter of like in a lot of european countries and and uh it would be on a building somewhere but it would not be it would not the, be in the heart in the heart of people at all gotcha no. but so so um traditional americans would say faith is a part of being an american and god we trust we say that you're saying they wouldn't say that necessarily in other countries what about among the prevailing church the christians in these other countries do they battle a nationalistic bent like we love our country god loves our country our country's the best country do they (laughs) do they do that too or is that kind of exclusively an american thing i would say that's it may be you might see a little bit in the United Kingdom kind of thing. Mm, sure, uh, like the French would say that they are the best country, and they would you know they would all say that. But that connection of God to that mm-hmm. would not be there. So they wouldn't say God bless France. Yeah, that that would be that'd be odd to them. That would be odd. Yeah, it's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, they would want to remove all religion from everything because because we we have oh yeah let's bring religion in, but they're saying wait a minute we've got to bring all the religions in mm-hmm. everything. And so you get everything under the... And that is part of their everybody matters, every thought right. matters, every thinking pattern matters. We're going we're gonna to recognize all of it. Right. And so to do that best, we have to really push it out, mm. not let it... 
All right, we're going to take a break right here. And normally, right now, we do a uh, uh, a what do you call that, John? It's not a show and tell. It's a media. Well, we normally call it like a media review slash show and tell. Yeah, so it's either show or it, it, it began with a show and tell of something we really like that we own. Uh, that we care about. And then it's shifted to our favorite books or movies or musicians. And so we've invited Tim to take this segment of the show. So Tim, tell us either a uh, uh, an item that means a lot to you that you have or a book that you've read that you love or whatever. Take it away, yeah. Timmy Fred. Just the, the minute you ask, you know, when you ask that, I, I'm reminded of um, when one Monday, it was, it was my wife's birthday and uh, we took the kids to school and we went down to, we lived about five miles from a, from the beach. And so we went walking down the this beach. This is in Amsterdam? In Amsterdam, outside of Amsterdam, yeah. And uh, we were um, just walking down the beach, and it had been a storm, a lot of seashells on the beach and that kind of thing. And in the middle of a pile of seashells, it lo- I thought it was a whale bone. It was this weird-looking thing. And my wife picked it up. And we're what made you think it was a whale bone? It was just the way it was. It looked like a vertebrae from oh, a whale. Okay. Like it was about wow. the size of what I would think a vertebrae in a big whale would be it was kind of weird <laughs> so i picked it up i'm holding it and, and my wife said this isn't bone this is clay and we looked at it and what it was it was the the top of a water pitcher mm, like interesting. a interesting ceramic water pitcher so i took i'm just, in fact at one point i said i'll just throw it back in the ocean i just you know i just i got in the car i'll just pollute like the last guy did <laughs> yeah yeah i just thought i'm just saying my country I, yeah. stinking netherlands i'll throw I'll throw my trash so, in their you know ocean. What? I thought you asked me the question. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, th- I got to the car. I threw it in the floorboard of the car. I took it home. The boys had, were playing pitch and catch with it, you know, <laughs> in the living room. And it was just this thing. So I she went to show my neighbor lady, and she was just, yeah, she knew a lot. So anyway, she um, she said, yeah, you can go down here on Thursdays at the university. There's an archaeologist. He sits in a room. And when, when people would find stuff, strange, you take it to him. And he'll tell you what it is. So I went down. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. He says, hey, I found this. He, so I we stood in line, and this lady was standing in front of me with this big bowl. And it's like, man, my thing's junk. <laughs> he's gonna, She's got that whole bowl. He's going to laugh yeah, at me. He's going to laugh yeah. at me. I look like an idiot. So she walked away with her bowl, and I walked up and handed it to him. He looked at it. He held it. And he said, where did you get this? I said, well, I found it on I the beach. I killed a whale and took it out of his back. <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, I found this on the beach. And he said, okay, where? So I then I got nervous, like well, yeah. what? so I I told him where well, this went missing from the Louvre twenty said, years ago. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> and he said, uh, okay, in the bottom of the North Sea there are shipwrecks, and this is something from a shipwreck that has washed ashore. Wow, it's a piece of it's a it's a pottery, it's a piece of you know, clay pottery from a water pitcher. It said it's washed ashore, and uh, yeah, it's it's nice, it's a nice souvenir. I said, well, how how old is it? He yeah. said, oh, it's about five hundred years old. <laughs> Wow. Man. So now I'm holding it with both hands. Like nobody <laughs> yeah. touches it. Kids don't get to play with it anymore. So we still have it. And, and uh, you know, this is kind awesome. of a theme in your life, artifacts, <laughs> because on your farm in Indiana, in uh, Illinois, yeah. you told me you used to go arrowhead hunting all yep. the time. Yep. That's true. What was that? What would you, what was that like? What, like, what would you find? Just, I've found, uh, yeah, arrowheads of all sizes. I've found axe heads that are actually from, actually from, yeah, hundred thousands of years ago or whatever. I don't know where they were. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah. That's awesome. I can't believe it survived even just in the ocean that long. Like yeah. just with, you know, erosion and things like that. Yeah, and but it, yeah. And he said that the North Sea is full of uh, shipwrecks of this kind I of stuff. I bet that's cool. Yeah, it would be great to go down and yeah. find that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So All nice. right. We'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. 
They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash jimandjohn. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. Uh, as always, thank you so much for listening. Uh, your time is super valuable to us. We also want to thank our uh, patrons. Very and, grateful. And we gave, uh, I mailed out the uh, the prize oh, for yeah? our newsletter contest. And uh, we gave away a Daryl Strawberry autographed baseball card that I collected myself. Uh, actually, well, never mind. I was going to tell some stupid joke that I've told about the Daryl Strawberry <laughs> meeting. I met him in Orlando. Uh, he wanted a selfie with me, so I gave it to him, and oh, yeah. and I traded that for an autograph. So <laughs> you signed. He said, his... "Are you Jim from Jim and John?" Yeah, and you I handed said, him a little Jim and John fact, card. I am, yeah, yeah. So his his newsletter just last He's week. He's a big fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So and lastly, Tim, I want to thank you for for joining nice. us. This is this is great. Um, so in America, well, again, talking about cultural origins, mm-hmm. it's hard to say if it's just America, but here at least we have a problem with a uh, prosperity-oriented um, gospel. The the prosperity gospel itself, I feel like most people can identify that and say that's wrong, but I feel like even on a deep level in, in plenty of churches, maybe because our um, country is so uh, uh, things-oriented, uh, economy-oriented, uh-huh. we think that if you are, you know, if you have to foreclose on your house or you get laid off, Maybe you're not doing so well with God right now. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe, God, if God was looking out for you, there's got to be some kind of problem because that doesn't happen to people. Exactly. Flourishing in their faith. Exactly. So even in a church that isn't necessarily prosperity focused, that kind of understanding of how God works. It's an assumption. It's an assumption. Exactly. Is that common to other places that, that you've experienced? Right. For, from my experience, especially on a, on a European scale that, you know, Europe, Europe was this you know, they got churches everywhere and all mm-hmm. all the stuff. And World War One really shook them. It mm. really shook. How could God let this happen? And World War Two said we're finished. I mean, really? it just wiped it out. That, mm. that God, you're supposed to take care of us. Yeah, bad things aren't supposed to happen to us. We we do we go to church on this Sunday. We do all this stuff. And I think what it did, it set you up for for a God that you know, God. It's all got to be about prosperity. And so the whole prosperity thing leads you down a path that eventually it comes down to, well, God, are you really God or is a prosperity God? Mm. And so uh, that's part of the struggle in many, and that's what secularism jumps in, that it's got to be about. It's me. really interesting. If you think about living in a world where bombs are falling out of the sky every day, yeah, especially during the blitzkrieg there. Yeah. Uh, when you think about um, that movie, John uh, Fury. Oh yeah. You know, they go to these places and you know, it's just, obliteration and people families are still trying to have family dinner and trying to have some semblance of normal to their lives we've never experienced that exactly and so when we had 9-11 you saw this surge in spiritual inquiry for like three weeks mm-hmm. and then it went right back to where it was because we've never had sustained 
uh, military suffering on our lands. That's, it's interesting what that does to a, to a psyche. But, Several and, years ago, I'm pastoring yeah. in Montana, and I asked a group of high school students, um, is it possible that you would be in the exact center of God's will and be getting your butt kicked at the same time? All 10 of them said, no, that is not possible. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering, because, you know, you think about how long ago a tragedy has to be for it to be still relevant in the culture, right? So, like, World War One, that's a long time ago. World War Two, yeah. you know, two yeah. isn't as long ago. Because I was thinking about the Depression. I was like, America got hit hard by the Depression. Mm-hmm. You'd think maybe that would shake, shake us up. But uh, I wonder if that's too long ago. But to clarify, you're saying that the understanding of, of – uh, that bad things don't happen to good Christians is just not prevalent in, culturally in countries like that. Well, and I think too, what happens is we, um, we take the fact that when bad things happen to me, well then God can't use me anymore. God mm. doesn't want me to do this. God doesn't want me to give when I don't have, you know, when I'm struggling, whatever financial area doesn't want to be a part. And yet I tell people that our scars do not exempt us from the great commission journey. They could be our entrance ticket. It's our weakness that's, that God yeah. wants to use. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the weakness, it's the brokenness that God wants to take and use for his glory. Because when that happens, then you know, I didn't do this. God, you did this. Yeah. So wow. I heard you say, you know, World War One, ooh, maybe God wasn't protecting us like we thought. World War Two, God abandoned us. Yeah. Have they not recovered from that? And do the Christians, again, I'm kind of focused on the Christian culture. The Christian culture in America is definitely a subculture, and it's got all these kinds of ways of seeing the world. Does the Christian subculture in Northern Europe have a predisposition to prosperity? God is going to bless us, or is that not a built-in part of the fabric of their faith? I think, and I've said this, I think think the average Northern European uh, um, Christ follower, Christ follower, well, the non-Christ followers would say that Christianity thing, that Jesus thing is great. I I I don't believe. It. I wish it was true. Yeah. But I know it's not. It's fairy tale. It's fairy tale. But the, they really wish it would. Would in fact there was um, there was a group of um, they were doing surveys on the streets in, the, in Amsterdam. A bunch of Dutch kids, junior high, high school kids come by and they started questioning them for their faith. What's it all about? And one of the kids said to the person given doing the survey, "Hey, you know, I heard about this Jesus guy." He like healed people and did miracles and, and they, they killed him, but he came back to life. I said, he's really cool. You, you church people ought to do something with him because <laughs> they don't connect it right. they don't, because it's not real. And so the Christians, if they try to play, even the, some of the, some of the things that we see, the only thing that works is the, is the spirit of the Lord really doing the work mm-hmm. and they recognize nothing else works. It just yeah. doesn't work. It's it. You can market it and promote it and do whatever you want to do. It's only the spirit doing the work that makes it. Nothing yeah. else works. Yeah. Wow. So, um, last question: If you were to give one to three pieces of advice to American Christians on being more globally aware, or if a European Christian was going to say something to the American Christians, what would be what would it be? I think the first thing would be make make a friend, their definition of friendship, a real friend mm-hmm. with somebody who's not like you. Mm-hmm. Just find somebody, maybe somebody you work with or reach to walk, take that. You know, we we'll say, we say, you know, we'll go 5,000 miles to take the gospel to somebody, but we won't go those last five feet. Yeah. 
Take the five feet. Go those extra five feet to reach out to the person who's not like you, number one. Number two, they would say, be real with us. Take the mask off. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about mask right now, but don't you know, <laughs> be, you know, take, be, let us see who you really are. Flaws yeah. and all. Um, don't be phony. Just, yeah. just be, because sometimes as Americans, we can come across very superficial and that, and I've had them say to that, to me, friends, We've got it all worked out. Life is great. Yeah. Living like our best social media life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, and so what happens is, well, we know life can't be that way. And then I would say the third thing that I think that, that the average, and not just Europeans, but the world as a whole, it, it goes back to the, to the Macedonian call. Come and help us. Notice in the Macedonian call, it doesn't say come and do it. Mm. It says come and help us. Come and partner with us. Be real partners together. Not just the Mavericks going in, we're going to blow up the room and do what we want. It's, it's going Here in Here he together. comes to save the day. <laughs> exactly. We're going to yeah. turn you into us because we are right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going in and saying, I will partner with you. And that requires some real relationship building. And, yeah, and give and take, give humility, and, yeah. co-learning. Co- yeah. And uh, where I'm not the answer. I'm hmm. not, I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying them with you. And, and if we do that, then it doesn't matter what happens. When it's over, we're still friends. Mm-hmm. And that's always a good thing. Yeah, the uh, the second point you said jumped out to me about the uh, the authenticity, mm-hmm. and uh, it connects earlier. You said you know sometimes your your scars don't prevent you from starting the gospel. It's your it's your your yeah. ticket, and uh, the power of a testimony can't really work all that well if you're putting up the your front right. If you're right. if you're wearing the right. again the rhetorical mask, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's if, if we're talking about that. A humble heart, putting yourself yeah. at the bottom of the of, in the the table, not in the seat of honor, going there to learn, um, and that showing your scars. I think it's hard to do the former while still putting up the those um, those walls, those those fake. You know yeah. that everything's working out, everything's good. You know, yeah, yeah. I, one of the one of the greatest testimonies because because in our organization you would go overseas for four years and come back to America for a year, go back for four years. One of the greatest testimonies that that I ever have seen or heard people say is the Europeans would say, "You came back. Hmm. You just didn't come over to do your thing and then leave. You came back. You really want to be with us, sure." And so that's why this move that we're doing is so monumental for us after twenty five years. But we know people in these places, and we 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 planted international church and had people from Curacao in mm-hmm. the church, mm-hmm. um, and it has to do with we're committed to a bigger plan than just, you know, ourselves, but being a part that partnership relationship building and being yourself, being who you are. That's who people, uh, yeah, that's, that's, who, that's the authenticity is a key word. Good so word. let's finish with a personal question for you, Tim. What's the hardest part about being a missionary? You've got grown kids. Now you got grandbabies is leaving them here and going. Is that the hardest part? What, what's, what's the hardest part of being a missionary? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, language was hard. Yeah. Leaving the kids is hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I think the hardest thing is that I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to give my whole life for something that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful, you can give your whole life. And when it's all said and done, it was all good. But I believe that when we're in God's plan, it's, there's a God plan and a good plan. It's finding mm-hmm. the God plan. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest thing. We always want to be a part. God, what are you doing and how can I be a part? Yeah. Because there's a lot of good things that can be done. And they're all good. Yeah. 
but it's finding that God, that God plan. This was, this is what God was doing. And then when you're part of that, it, it multiplies and goes. Yeah. John, what's your takeaway from this whole conversation? Uh, first takeaway would be again about that, um, humility and authenticity. Uh, I think one of the, at least for evergreen, the, the church, one of the recent, uh, learning things as part of the staff is the power of the, of the wound of the scar Mm -hmm. of, of, uh, you know, I think one of the challenges with um, American Christianity specifically is, you know, Paul teaches that, that weakness is strength in my weakness. God is strong. And in our, uh, in our, you know, it's, it's the upside down kingdom In our death, there's life and our weakness, there's strength. And that is very specifically un-American in a lot of ways. Uh, and even just down to our individualism and, and the way we value, um, you know, pulling yourself up by our bootstraps, quote unquote. Um, so I think there's so much, not even just, um, missional power there. There's so much life there. And even in your own, um, the edification of yourself, so not even serving other people, but in your own uh, relationship with Jesus, that, uh, that humble posture and weak posture, uh, and, and actually relying physically on, you know, the work of, of God in your own life is just, uh, to me, that's, you know, that's a, a big thing right now that I'm, that I'm learning. One of the keys of yeah. the God plan that I mentioned uh-huh. that I believe one of the signs, this is a God plan is when we say, God, I can't do this. Right. And that's when he goes, well, sometimes I jokingly say, when we say, God, I can't do this. God says, well, duh, I know you can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point. <laughs> yeah. It's finding the thing that only he can do. Yeah. And then there's free, there's more liberty in that yeah. because, well, God, you're going to have to do this thing. And so it's being available. Yeah. Scars and all being available. I think that's incredible. That's my takeaway for the conversation. Yeah. I love it. When God calls you, he already factors in your stupidity. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I love that. <laughs> uh, my takeaway is the awesome power of relationships hmm. that it turns out that the power of the gospel is most released in the context of prevailing relationships. We know this to be true, and yet we want formulaic uh, answers. And relationships are hard. They take time. They're expensive. They demand from you. Uh, they require vulnerability. And so I'm, I'm really, um, you, you've emphasized multiple times the, the, are you here for good? Are you one of us? Do you want to be with us? Do you like us? Yeah. Do you know, do you want to partner with us or are you here to do something to us? <laughs> yeah. You know, or take something from or take us. Take something from us. Yeah. And I, I'm just blown away to me the the thing is, um, uh, this is why I think Jesus said, love them. You got two jobs, love me, love them. And the rest are details. If you can do that, then that translates to any culture. If you can, if you can love. And so I'm blown away at, um, the essential nature of true relationship, friendships, vulnerability, compassion, and that there is no effective ministry without it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Hey, thanks again for listening. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can do so at info at jimandjohn.com, uh, no H in the John, uh, or at jimandjohn.com. There's a contact form there. You can sign up for our newsletter there. Again, mm-hmm. we just had a, a giveaway, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe we'll have another one down the line if we end up bumping into another Hall of Fame baseball player. I actually have another gift. I'm, I haven't decided if I'm willing to let go of it, but I have an autographed baseball from Mariano Rivera, the only baseball player to be unanimously inducted into the Hall of Fame. I have a baseball he autographed, and it's 
got his Hall of Fame date on it. Um, I haven't decided if I'm willing to let you're, that go. You're telling me some guy on that committee said, Babe Ruth doesn't belong in this Hall of Fame. Thumbs down. I'm telling you, he's the only player in history that got a unanimous vote. Yeah. Those are some hoity-toity That's crazy, isn't it? Jerks. I thought the yeah. same thing. You telling me Babe Ruth didn't get a unanimous vote? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe that'll, that'll give you one more reason to sign up in case you get that, <laughs> that baseball. And Instagram is uh, Jim and John. Jim and John, yep. And you can comment. We have a weekly post there for each episode. You can comment there yeah. or DM us on there. And we'd love to hear from you. Anything you have to say, episode ideas, feedback. Yep. Yeah. And we do have a couple of episode ideas, so be watching for those. We've had those come in. We're going to do our next two episodes will be uh, listener suggestions. And, uh, man, we're grateful. If you want to do us one favor, tell a friend. Give us a uh, – or give us a uh, a rating on your, pod, uh, your podcast platform that you listen to. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.